Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We are here to break down what was another ridiculous weekend in ACC football. Every single game decided by single digits except for one. And in that one, the team that we didn't think was going to win won. Eric McLean, I know you had a crazy weekend up in Blacksburg. How are you, my friend? I am just living the dream, KG. You know, we, we keep talking about all this craziness that is happening within college football. It's just to be expected nowadays. You know, we have to just sit here back and whenever you're going to pick, whatever you think is going to happen, guys, it's not going to happen. Just don't expect that to happen. And, and that's where we are in this season. Uh, really a great time up at Virginia Tech. You know, that was my first time seeing that atmosphere. It was my first time being in Lane Stadium and, and just seeing that environment. And guys, it was nuts. I mean, I, I'm still probably a little biased and say that Clemson is the number one entrance, but that entrance was it was nuts. I've never seen anything like it with the students, you know, singing Metallica, singing Inner Sandman and, and just keep going on and on. Everybody jumping up and down. Uh, it, it was really, really cool to see that the energy all game long, uh, just such passion and, and so much excitement uh, from the fans there. The students there was really, really cool to see. And just, you know, the food spots and everything that came with Blacksburg. KG, you, you had a little fun weekend yourself, huh? You, you were in the great state of Texas. <laughs> well, we're going to dive into Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, because that game was crazy. I saw the coverage. I thought you guys killed it. The atmosphere looked awesome, as it always does, but you, you can't take it for granted because they bring it every single time. Mac, I had a great weekend. I am currently recording this podcast in the Atlanta airport. This is a new experience here on the Graham Lincoln Mac Lane podcast. Have you ever recorded a podcast in an airport, Mac? I, I cannot say that I have. Hotel room, <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, yeah. I, th that's about it. That, that's the extent of the travel, but never in an airport. KG, you are dedicated far beyond uh, what a normal partner would ask of you. So I, I'm very grateful. Well, that's not said because you record from all of your travels back, which I always appreciate. But yeah, this is a first for me and it's nice. I'm tucked here in a corner, kind of away from everyone. If we hear an announcement about lost luggage or something, you might hear that, but and there's some planes out there. But other than that, we are good to go. And Yes, I was in Dallas for the Oklahoma-Texas game, hanging out with my brother and his fiance. And um, this was Nick's first ever, that's my husband, his first ever trip to OU Texas. I grew up going to that game. My brother's a huge Oklahoma fan. We sat in the Texas section because my grandpa has season tickets, so shout out to Gramps. And it was just an epic football game, Mac. I don't know how much you were able to watch. It was insane. Texas scored two touchdowns in the first minute of the game. And John has on his OU shirt and we're sitting in the Texas section and people are looking at him like, yeah, buddy, yeah, this is what you get. And then John looks back, he goes, crazy things happen. This isn't over. And he was right. And, and Oklahoma came back. And then John was getting a little excited in the Texas section. I was afraid we we're going to get beat up. We didn't, which was great. It was really nice to just be neutral at a game. That was refreshing. And to see Nick experience his first OU Texas, I said hi to Bevo. We just, we had an awesome time. We went to the state fair, got some food. It was very hot. We got sunburned, but here we are. It was, it was a great time back. I think that that game pretty much has summed up uh, this entire college football season, the craziness, uh, the changing of quarterbacks. I mean, guys coming in there, saving the day, uh, keeping someone's playoff hopes alive. 
it, it's it was incredible to see that game. And if you guys missed it, go back, watch the the recap, the highlights. It, it was such a crazy game. KG, before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at On3. They are the founders of Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports. On3 aims to be the college sports destination for fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle that KG got to see, that I got to see at Lane Stadium, that distinguishes college football from every other major sport. On3 combines three unique businesses into one company, National News. They're going to cover the ever-evolving landscape that is college football. They also have fan sites. This provides that local presence. It's going to capture the presence. It's going to capture the passion and voice of the fans through based team-based coverages, and lastly, the database, guys, that's coming very soon. I cannot wait to dive into that. That's going to be recruiting profiles, NFL draft, and everything in between. I love it, Mac. And they have one of their signature sites is in the ACC, ClemsonSports.com. Matt Conley, who's one of our good friends, does a great job there. And they have all sorts of coverage you need. Injury updates, if you're a Clemson fan, uh, that's, a, that's a big thing going on right now. All that good stuff. And then once they launch new ACC sites, which they have a few in the works, We'll be posting on those message boards. We're also posting on the Tigers Den on ClemsonSports.com. So make sure you stay tuned. On3.com has everything you need. They have Ivan Mazel's daily column. We had him on, him on a couple weeks ago. He was awesome. So go check that out. That's On3.com. Mac, let's dive into recapping our big four. And if you don't mind, let's start with Notre Dame Virginia Tag because you were just talking about that atmosphere and how amazing it was. You picked Virginia Tech. I picked Notre Dame. This game could have gone literally either way. It was so back and forth. It was so back and forth. And I just went with the team that I thought would end up being able to score a little more, which uh, Doug Kelly, whoever scores more wins. It's great analysis. But I just I worried about Virginia Tech's offense. And that, I was kind of surprised they were able to get up near 30 points. You know, they, they did perform offensively a little better than I thought. You had Burmeister getting injured and then coming back in. Overall, what were your thoughts on the Hokies and the Irish? Yeah, well, for starters, this game scored way more points than I thought. You know, total, when you look at that over-under and what they were able to accomplish there, I really thought that this was going to be a slugfest, which it absolutely was uh, for, for about a quarter and a half. And then it seems like the the dam broke and everything just started clicking uh, for Notre Dame in particular. Uh, when, when you see the game and you see how it really kind of started Virginia Tech had a great plan. Defensively, they were getting after the quarterback. They weren't allowing Notre Dame to do much of anything, uh, especially in that first quarter. Really liked the effort. Offensively, able to move the ball, scored a touchdown early, and just thought, okay, there, there's some great momentum here building. And then the the start of the second quarter, uh, Virginia Tech's marching down the field. They get in the red zone. They get in the goal line almost, and they get stopped. And they didn't run the ball. They didn't try to go power formation, get the ball in there, trust that big offensive line. They spread it out. They tried throwing it, and it just it didn't work. And that's why we saw them lose to West Virginia, because they couldn't power that thing in and score a touchdown, and it came back to bite them again. You just felt this massive momentum swing in the state. I mean, because we were there, we, we felt it. I mean, it was like a little bit of air was let out of the stadium when all they got from this hard-fought drive was three points. Notre Dame makes a quarterback change. Buckner comes in there and just goes 
crazy. I mean, it was nuts to see. He was running all over the place. He was extending plays. He was scoring touchdowns. And then Virginia Tech weathers that storm. They do a great job. They get him to throw a couple of picks. One was a pick six. Uh, my man Eddie Royal and I were standing in the corner of the end zone, and and uh, Jermaine Waller just ran straight to us. It, it was awesome to see that, uh, you know, that pick six there. But then, you know, vice versa, could, couldn't sustain that. You know, Notre Dame just kept grinding, kept grinding. And as you said, you know, found ways to score and, and went back to Jack Cohn after Buckner made a couple of, of mistakes there, and he was ready. I mean, I have never seen something like that, KG, where a guy comes in, you know, doesn't look great, uh, is benched, and, and then, you know, comes back in and saves the day. It, it was crazy to see. Um, unfortunate for Virginia Tech, you know, really was a, a heartbreaker. You know, the, those fans were, were passionate and going crazy until the very end, uh, and, and they just didn't have enough. Uh, a couple of things to really be – you know, kind of cognizant of is Burmeister got banged up, looked like a shoulder, looked like his throwing shoulder. There were times where he was walking and just really dangling it. Uh, and then Blumrick, the, the QB2, you know, had it looked like a pretty nasty leg injury. I hope he's okay. But man, going into this next week against Pittsburgh, you, you, we just don't know what that team, we don't know who's going to run out there. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. So really interesting to see moving forward for Virginia Tech, just what is this team going to be? Because we've already struggled with identity. Now that we don't have our quarterback, it's going to be even worse, I see. I feel like. For sure, Mac. And of course, they're, mitching, they're uh, missing James Mitchell, who that hurts them as well. Notre Dame is such an interesting – I know they're, they're no longer in the ACC, but they just keep you know switching out quarterbacks like it's no big deal. I really enjoyed your tweet, Mac, where someone said – they tweeted at you guys and said, why all the Virginia Tech coverage? And you responded and said, well, Virginia Tech's in the ACC, and we're on the ACC network. I – I really enjoyed that, Mac. Just going to say that. <laughs> Listen, we do a pretty good job of being objective when we're talking about two teams in our conference. When we're going out of conference, hey, look, guys, we're homers. We're going to tell you why the ACC is going to win and, and why or how they're going to do it. So if you're looking for SEC, independent, Big 12 commentary, don't come to our network. I promise you're not going to find it. You can go watch NBC. That's where you're going to find your uh, Notre Dame coverage. Tough road, though, for Virginia Tech. Look. They have played some hard-fought games. They lose that heartbreaker at West Virginia. They lose the heartbreaker to Notre Dame. They have Pittsburgh next weekend, which it just doesn't get much easier for Tech, and they're banged up. It's kind of the story for a lot of teams this year. It feels like injuries are affecting a lot of different teams in the ACC and beyond, but they're always going to be in these games in Lane Stadium. That's just the reality because those fans are so great. And we'll preview more Virginia Tech pit coming up on Friday, Mac, but We'll see what happens with Burmeister. I thought another big key for Notre Dame is they were able to run the ball at least a little bit and get Kyron Williams going. Which was nuts. They hadn't showed that all year. And now all of a sudden, Kyron Williams, Mr. Do-It-All, was really impressive for Notre Dame. Yep, You're right. he was. Okay, let's talk about Florida State, North Carolina. This game, Mac, the fact that FSU goes into UNC, wins by 10, UNC is done. Like, I, I hate to say that. I'm, of course, they can still make a bowl game, but this is what Mac Brown has always talked about. When you have these kinds of expectations, if you go six and six, if you go seven and five, just putting it, honestly, no one really cares. And then you look at Florida State, and now they've won two in a row. Jordan Travis is an absolute playmaker. This was surprising, Mac. No, surprising to say the least. I mean, we, we didn't feel confident about that number. We talked about that spread uh, being way too big in a team that historically has never been able to do this with Coach Mac Brown. And just, you know, thinking, okay, history's on our side here for Florida State. We're feeling confident. And you asked me, if you're North Carolina, are you kind of, you know, looking over your shoulder when those guys walk in? Like, man, can, can we do this? And, 
that's just what it felt like after the first quarter. You know, you see North Carolina score 10, and you're like, man, okay, 10-0, they're on their way. That Maybe this is the year. And then, boom, 21 points unanswered by the Knowles very quickly. Um, it, 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 I guess it's a complex, KG. That, that's what you said we were calling it if they weren't able to win this year, favored by almost 20 points. It, it's nuts to see, but I, I've got to give all the credit in the world to this coaching staff and just saying, hey, Jordan Travis, you're the guy. Figure it out, man. We're, we're going to let you run. We're going to let you throw. I, I did like that the that we saw a couple of calls where he was throwing the ball downfield. Um, you know, we had been calling for that for for about a week and a half. It felt like just screen pass here, bubble screen there. Like let let's see it extend. Let's get vertical and, and see what this offense can look like. And sure enough, they explode for 35 points and and go on the road and beat North Carolina. And I agree with you. North, North Carolina's out. I mean, that they are no longer in contention for, for the conference, um, you know, postseason, surely. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a big-time letdown. And I know those fans are disappointed, and I know that they are not happy with this result. But, you know, you, you just have to keep grinding. You have to keep plucking away and, and figuring that thing out. Uh, the good thing is there are recruits that are there. There are recruits that are committed that are going to keep growing this thing and, and get it eventually where – you know, folks want North Carolina football, but man, it's a long road ahead for them to get there. The problem is this is probably Sam Howell's last year, unless he decides to come back and pulls, you know, like a Travis Etienne or something. We'll see. But Mac, I thought the big difference for North Carolina is that they weren't able to run the football. And we know with UNC, the run sets up the pass. We always talk about some of these explosive offenses and we talk about them strictly from throwing the ball. But having just watched Oklahoma this past weekend, Oklahoma is a team Similar to UNC, they have to get the run and feed off of that. If you if you don't really watch OU, you don't understand that they need to run the ball. And that's the same with North Carolina. And I thought Florida State's front was really tough. They only had four tackles for a loss, only one sack. They were able to contain, and that was huge for FSU. And then to your point, Mac, Jordan Travis is making plays. I thought the 12 penalties for UNC for 110 yards was also a problem. The lack of discipline, um, I, th- I think they kind of thought when they got up 10 nothing. This thing was over. And that's a great sign for FSU. They didn't fold because recent FSU teams, maybe even FSU in September, getting down to nothing, they're out. But this team didn't. And and that's something. They they look like a completely different team. That's that's gotta be inspiring and, and really just, you know, building confidence for these guys. I mean, we you heard how bad even here on this podcast, we, we were talking about saying these guys just they can't figure it out. They they just don't look like a football team that we would expect to see with a Seminole on their helmet. But, man, it, it looks like a totally different team. The defense playing really, really well. I mean, I, I'm not sure when the last time, maybe if ever, Sam Howell has been held to 200 yards passing. And, and I, it's got to be his season low uh, for sure, but but maybe even career with you know just seeing what they were able to do to him uh, was really impressive, KG. So great job by Florida State moving forward. Uh, you just hope those guys can, t- can continue to grow and, and to build on these two wins, win streak, two in a row. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what FSU can do. Mac, this is where uh, you had to beat Jacksonville State because if you're trying to make a bowl, and I, I hate to focus on the past, but if you'd beaten Jacksonville State, you'd have three wins and you'd be feeling a lot better. But now if, if, if we're feeling bowl game, right, you beat UMass next week, that's three. And then let's say you beat Miami. Let's say you beat Boston College. You got to beat either Florida or NC State or Clemson. You got to get one of those. And so – it's a tough uphill climb. If you've beaten Jacksonville State, you're probably going to a bowl. I hate to put that out there, but it's it's the reality right now for FSU. It's just the truth. KG just drops truth bombs. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Virginia and Louisville. 
this game was absurd. I, uh, on the radio show, I gave out uh, one of my like picks. One of my guarantees was Louisville minus two and a half. And uh, of course, this did not turn out. Virginia, I thought Louisville was fine when Virginia got the ball back. I'm like, surely, you know, this is going to be just fine. And Brennan Armstrong leads them down the field. 487 for this dude. Passed the ball 60 times. I mean, Brennan Armstrong just continues to amaze Eric McLean. He is freaky, guys. I mean, honestly, to, to throw the ball 60 times in a game, to complete 40 of them uh, for, for nearly 500 yards, he's just he's tremendous to watch. It's unorthodox the way that he does it. Uh, maybe even his his throwing motion isn't you know what, what you teach or how you teach it, but he gets it done, and he makes unbelievable decisions. It's been so fun to just see that guy just let it rip. And, and, you know, we talk about needing balance. We talk about needing to do this this or that. UVA doesn't need that. Just let this guy throw. Just, just let him drop back, be special. Uh, and, and how about a guy like Keaton Thompson has like a broken hand. He has a cast on his hand, somehow catches nine balls for 132 yards. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable to see what this team is He's doing, how they're able to player, do it. He's a player, Mac. He's a, yeah, that's what he is. That's what, that's what it says on the roster. That's what I was told. Uh, but it, it's really impressive to see. And, and so Virginia, you know, you wish you could just capitalize on a couple of these games. I, I feel like they are such an exciting team. Uh, two and two in the conference. Still think that they have a chance, especially when we've seen coastal chaos. We know what can happen on that side uh, with, with teams kind of just, I don't know, not able to capitalize. So can they keep moving forward and, and try to get into that conference championship with two losses? Uh, defensively, you know, thought that they played well and, and did, you know, things necessary to get the job done. But when you look at Louisville, the, the keys to this game, we said, okay, attack, attack, attack this UVA pass defense. And they just, it didn't feel like they did that, KG. They threw the ball 25 times. Malik had 25 attempts. He completed 17 of them, but only for 270 yards. I mean, I really thought that this would be a game that he would well break 300, maybe the 350, 400 mark. And, you know, they still just tried to run the ball. They had 34 rushes, 28 pass attempts. And I think you just need to look at your opponent differently and say, we can adjust here. We, we need to adjust here because that's what, UVA gives up. That's what they're showing us. Um, disappointing, you know, to see that because we thought that Louisville was going to be on this climb and, and to be able to really make some changes. But, man, both of these teams have shown that they can score, that they're exciting. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun year for both of them just to see, you know, how much consistency can we get because, as we say every week, that that's the biggest thing. If Brendan stays healthy, which we know is a big if, and he's not even 100% healthy right now, but when you look at Virginia, Mac, they could become bowl eligible in their next two games. They've got Duke. They've got Georgia Tech, both at home. Those should both be wins for Virginia. Then you're feeling really good at 6-2, and two, and you got BYU, Notre Dame, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. And let's see what you can do. But the fact that Virginia has the opportunity to get bowl eligible by the end of the month, that that's big for UVA. And then, I mean, we're looking at the possibility of maybe an 8-4, and four, and I don't want to look too far ahead, of course, Mac, but... As long as Brennan Armstrong stays healthy, I think these past two wins for UVA on the road, huge. You got to give them credit. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I mean, these guys are, are known for losing on the road. In, in the Bronco Mendenhall era, they, they have had very little to zero success when they traveled now in back-to-back -back weeks 
have been able to get and steal wins on the road. So it's impressive to see. I think that shows signs of growth. Um, now, they did have a little luck, a couple of missed kicks to win both of those games. But, hey, sometimes that's what it takes. And they they did the job oh, yeah. that was necessary. Uh, really impressive to see. And, and, again, it comes down to leadership and coaching when you make changes like that. And, and Virginia, well on their way. W is a W. No one's going to remember in November that, you know, oh, Miami missed that kick. Who cares? You got to win. You move on. Okay, let's talk about winning, and let's talk about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who are up to 16th in the poll. I want to start with this, Mac, because they're undefeated, and they won up in that game up at Syracuse. Let's just pause for a second, and let's go out to the national picture here. Wake's undefeated. Alabama's not, which is kind of funny. Did you think that Alabama – did you think that Bama dropped enough? Like, I feel like people are kind of explaining away the A&M game when A&M just lost to Mississippi State and should have lost to Colorado. Like – it's just hmm, the brand is annoying. Wake is six and zero, and I'm not sure. I know they're they're just finding ways to win, but people don't understand outside of this league that it is tough to go up to Syracuse and win. Like it's really tough, and Syracuse has improved. Is Wake getting enough respect? You you know I'll start with the Alabama thing. I really was on the fence with are they even going to fall out of the top four. Uh, I really thought that there was going to be a chance that we saw them sitting at four uh, when when this poll came out because I, it just is what it is, as you said, and they've you know earned that over time. I don't think anybody's questioning that with what they've done and, and historically done, but you would like to see that same respect kind of given to other teams, and it's not. And I think that's where you and I really get our kind of you know irked, irked our nerves uh, when we see things of that nature, and even other teams when they're playing in particular conferences. Um, you know, the, the, the respect that maybe they're given that others aren't, it, it is aggravating. But, you know, Wake, just keep winning. I, I guarantee that that is their mindset, that that's all that they care about. Uh, when, when you ask them, why are you guys not respected? Why is Coach Clawson not respected? That's going to be the answer that we get. So they're going into a bye week. They're 6-0 and for the first time since the 40s and maybe the second time ever. Uh, so that they've got a real shot here uh, to make some history. They've got Army. Uh, they're traveling to Army. Then they have Duke at home. And then at North Carolina, I think a really big three-game stretch to kind of say, okay, this is the type of team we are. We have this national attention. This is what we're going to do with it. And then they have a really, really tough stretch versus NC State at Clemson at BC to finish the season. I mean, they have a really great opportunity to to be a historic team and to make all kinds of noise throughout the entire country. Can they do it? Can they take that next step? I think the coaching staff, I think the players, I think the balance, that answer is yes. Of course, you got to go do it on the field. Well, and the main concern for Wake and, and why this game was close, in my opinion, is because they weren't balanced for the first time all year, really. They couldn't run the ball as well as they normally do. They 37 carries for 96 yards. So Syracuse did a really good job of taking away the run and seeing if those wide receivers could beat them. And look, every time I watch Wake, I'm blown away by these wide receivers. I'm blown away. And it's it's normally two every game. It's either uh, Morin, Roberson, or Perry. And they just kind of, two of the three show up. And against Syracuse, Perry and Roberson were unbelievable. Perry made that insane catch in overtime that was just amazing. And the receivers truly blow me away for Wake Forest. I think they have the best receiving core in the league. It, I, I don't think it's even just overall core. 
of, of guys, I don't think it's close. Yeah, especially when you, you just look at the consistency and the fact that it is almost every game that, you know, two of the three show up. You know, I think if they could hit all three at one game, uh, number one, they're, they're probably just absolutely demolishing somebody. And number The universe th- would explode. That's right. <laughs> they, they wouldn't allow it because then these three guys would be first team all ACC and nobody would let that happen. So, but it is impressive to see. When you have a guy like A.T. Perry, who really at the beginning of the season, Kelly, if you remember, was probably going to be backing up uh, Green there, who eventually got hurt, and, and now, okay, A.T. Perry, it's your time to shine. It's your time to come in and, and really do this thing. He's answered the call and, and has looked really impressive this year. Uh, one of his three touchdown catches, he kind of hit the sham god for you guys who are basketball uh, savants. He, he just really put this guy on skates, snatched his ankles, and then walked into the end zone, kind of looked back at him like, are you still back there? Are you good? And, uh, you know, they, they eventually won the game. But the balance was an issue a little bit, KG. I think I thought Syracuse did a really good job of, you know, shutting down the run and really limiting the run and saying, as you said, beat us with your arm. That's what we've got to see. Of course, Sam Hartman delivered and was able to do that. 330 yards, three touchdowns. Just his composure was really, really impressive. Defensively, though, I have a bone to pick because we know – what Syracuse is going to want to do. We know what they can do very, very well. And we have seen this emergence of Garrett Schrader in the last two games of almost superstardom for this team. I mean, he is playing out of his mind, guys, going for 300-plus all-purpose yards, three total touchdowns, rushing and passing. Really, really impressive what we've seen from him. I would have loved to have seen Wake Forest load the box up, force them to throw, and can you beat us with his arm? Now, he was effective and did well throwing the ball, but – I don't know if they can score 37 without, you know, rushing for 350 yards. I truly don't think that that would have been possible. Would have loved to seen load up the box, go man to man and say, hey, beat us with your arm. They didn't do that. They were in a very close game. We, we called it spooky. This this was terrifying. Maybe we thought PG, PG 13. This was rated R. And I don't think Wake Forest was uh, super interested in being in that, but they, they were found a way. They were able to do it. And uh, as I mentioned, Schrader and Tucker, man, that one-two punch has been so, so special for Syracuse. Those guys are going to have to be even more special with the Tigers coming to town Friday night, guys, Friday night lights. It's going to be a fun game. I'm so ready for that game. It's it's still very spooky. And, Mac, you know, this is a weird sentence that I did not think I was going to be saying on October 10th a couple months ago. I love the Syracuse team. I really do. I really love watching them. I feel like Dino has them bought in. I, Dino had, had some interesting clock management issues at the end, but regardless of that, um, Schrader plays with so much heart. Sean Tucker is just incredible to watch. Their defense plays so hard. I, I like the Syracuse team. I really like them. They are kind of the team too. that has come out of nowhere that I like the most. And, you know, they're three and three, but they've had two heartbreakers to Florida State and to Wake Forest. And, when you look at the rest of their schedule, they've got Clemson, they've got Virginia Tech. Like it just doesn't get much easier. Their schedule is tough. If they had an easier schedule, I'd be feeling a lot better about bowl eligibility. But this is what they do, Mac. They scare Clemson on a Friday night. It's like <laughs> it's literally what they do. We'll talk more about this on Friday. But this game, I think this is one of the more underrated games in the country this weekend. And the fact that Clemson is a 17-point favorite, as much as I always believe Vegas and think they know everything, I'm pretty sure someone who was like, who has no idea what they're talking about, made the spread. So I I just want to say that about Syracuse. Like I've really enjoyed watching them so far. 
Yeah, I have too. And especially defensively, you know, we kind of knew coming into this, okay, that there are going to be some strides made here because they have some dogs. They have some guys who can play really effectively. I didn't think that we would see this type of pass rush from them, uh, but they have been able to really get after the quarterback and, and do some great things. So that Syracuse defense is for real. And then, of course, the emergence uh, of a, just a bona fide superstar. Coach Mark Rick, you know, compared uh, Tucker there to Nosha Moreno. And that's a big-time college name. And the things that he can do in the run game, in the receiving game, it's impressive to see. And that guy knows a thing or two about running back. So this is going to be a fun team uh, just to see them continue to get better and better. Uh, Dino's got it going on. And, uh, you know, you just hope it will continue to equal wins. Yeah, they've become a really fun team. Um, Okay, that was our big four breakdown, Mac. Let's just hit on our speed round game before we get out of here and I go catch my flight. It's actually been very nice back here in this corner. No one's bothered me. It's been excellent. I hope I'm not disturbing anyone. <laughs> anyway, um, Duke and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech won or wins at Duke 31 to 27. Mac, I thought the big thing about this game, Duke tried to win it by basically giving Mateo Durant the ball 43 times, which was insane when you look at workload in the modern era for running back. Jeff Sims played all four quarters. He made some mistakes, but Georgia Tech still won with him playing all four quarters. I thought that was the big takeaway from this game. Yeah, and, and really, you know, starting with Duke, you, you just would have loved to see them able to get a little bit more, you know, yards per carry there. If you're having 43 yards, I'm, I'm thinking Mateo's getting close to 400. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, only at 150. Now, he is a workhorse. He, he's a guy that wants that and, and loves those carries. He's going to do whatever he can, you know, to get his team involved and, and to get them in the best possibility to win. I thought uh, Gunner played really well again. He's just so efficient. I mean, he can see what's there, make the right play, and deliver. 22 of 29, right under 300 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he's he's impressive to watch. I think that, you know, he, he's just going to have to kind of take that next step, um, you know, to, to take those risks, to play dangerous. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just not going to do that as many times as I call for it. Uh, but then you look at the other side. What I thought was most impressive about this, KG, was to see – Jeff Sims emerge as this passer. We've seen him now in back-to-back weeks throw for over 300 yards and right at 300 yards, not just be the the runner, do it all, be an athlete, look like a quarterback, make the necessary plays. Now, sure, there was still the turnovers, and that has been a big-time problem in his career. Fumbled, luckily they jumped on it, did throw two picks. Uh, that, that is going to continue to hurt them, but you know we're seeing him get better as a passer. We're seeing him make those strides, as I said, and uh, again, this Georgia Tech team, they're fun under Jeff Collins. They, they really are. And now we're starting to see some wins. I think it would be a huge, huge success, KG, if those guys can find themselves in postseason play. But it's not going to be easy. You go to Virginia, then you host Virginia Tech at Miami. I think you feel really good about that. And then these last three, you're going to have to find something. Versus BC at Notre Dame versus number one Georgia. Uh, so th- there's going to have to be a little magic. Uh, but I think these guys can do it. And if they do, man, this this is a huge success for this season for Georgia Tech. No doubt about it, Eric McClain. Okay, I want to ask you one question before we roll out of here. And maybe we'll start doing this on our on our Monday recap episodes. We currently have two teams ranked in the AP poll, Wake Forest at 16, NC State at 22. I want to correct myself because it, the Clemson-Syracuse game opened as a 17-point spread. It's now 13 and a half. After this week, we only have five games this coming week in the ACC. When we're doing our recap episode next Sunday, when we're talking about this, and it's going to come out on Monday, how many teams will be ranked? Right now, you've got two in Wake and NC State. 
if Clemson beats Syracuse, maybe somewhat convincingly, perhaps they jump back in. Pittsburgh, if they go in at Virginia Tech, perhaps they finally get to jump in. Wake Forest won't lose. They're on a bye. NC State goes to Boston College. Do they lose? So that's my question. Let's try to predict how many teams are ranked next time we do this episode next Sunday. Come on. This is a tough one, you know, because I think it is a, a really hard game for NC State going up to Boston College. Um, I can almost confidently say that unless Clemson scores 60-plus and, and maybe even blank Syracuse, AP, po- AP poll voters are almost punishing these guys and, and are going to leave them I out, know. I feel like. They're, they're currently second in receiving votes. So you'd have to have some of the Right, they were first. Now somehow through. they're second. Well, when you don't play, you you people forget about you. But if you have some, or teams, when you win, you get kicked out. You need some of the lower teams to lose, like you need Texas to lose and all that stuff. But if Clemson handles their business sure. and looks good, I think they have a chance. If they only score twenty four, I say they stay out. I truly think that. I think that the Probably. AP poll voters are just not feeling them for whatever reason, and so I, I think that they stay. I think it, it's going to be, man. I'm giving away my picks already here. I'm going to say one. How about that? That tells you what I think. So I'm going to say one. You've got BC beating NC State. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. But could Pitt jump in? That's a good no, question. No, they have one vote. These guys hate Pittsburgh. I don't know why. I don't know why. Guess what, KG? I went to Dallas. I did the college football playoff mock committee. Those guys don't give a flip about the AP poll just like I don't. So that's the only poll that I truly care about. Interesting. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited. We'll, we'll keep doing this when we get to the college football playoff poll, too. I'm going to say, you know, Mac, I'm going to have some faith. I'm going to say three. Whoa, okay. I think we're talking about three. Okay, I like that. Because I, I really think this bye week, this bye week, I think Clemson is going to come out with their hair on fire. Come on. But, you know, I, I'm never one that's like a super homer. I mean, I, I call that's it like right. I see it. But I, I do think there'll be some wrinkles and some creative play calling. And then it really comes down to NC State. That's right. Business, which, look, one can never guarantee. But you know what? I'm feeling feeling crazy here in this Atlanta airport. So here we go. Atlantic anarchy. I think it continues Guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.